feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And President Biden is pushing for guns, 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 saying that guns need to get off the streets. And that is basically his primary solution to solving crime that is affecting so many cities across the country. And tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, we have a big exclusive interview with New York City Mayor Eric Adams. He is going to be coming up in just about 25 minutes or so here on the show to give us his take about his meeting today with President Biden, who came to New York City and they talked about combating crime. And it is making headlines all over the country. Of course, the president, you've got the New York City mayor, very popular New York City mayor, former cop also with some unique background. And yet He also has to deal with some of the messaging coming from his own party. And he also has to deal with soft on crime, Alvin Bragg. That's the Manhattan DA. And that is sort of a string of a number of soft on crime DAs that are taking place right now and that are in office across the country. New York is one of them, but there's also, of course, in Los Angeles and in Philly And in San Francisco and many, many cities across the country are dealing with that. And Eric Adams wants to clean up New York. He needs to clean up New York. And he calls himself basically the CEO of a company that is falling apart. And he wants to be the guy who's going to turn it around. So I can't wait to ask him some questions And again, just about 20 minutes or so from now, a very unique interview that's going to be coming up when I talk to Eric Adams, the current New York City mayor, who's a Democrat, but taking on a number of people, even within his own party, because as a former police captain, as someone who has been in law enforcement and now a mayor, he understands how important it is, first of all, to support police and also get a bit Tougher on the criminals than the message than we're hearing from President Biden and others. So tonight, I want to hear from you. What do you think needs to be done to combat crime in major cities across the country? And also, especially President Biden, does he get it? He seems a little tone deaf and a one-trick pony. And Eric Adams seems to understand that there are lots of layers to fighting crime And here's a little bit of what he had to say when he was meeting with President Biden just a little bit ago. The president is here because he knows what the American people want. Justice, safety, and prosperity. And they deserve every bit of it. And he wants to end the gun violence in our city and in our country. And the future built on equality and opportunity because the lack of the two feeds the gun violence that we are seeing. Far too often when we advocate for this, Mr. President, people miss the part that we state we want to end inequality. Let's stop being divisive and united to come together and deal with this fight. And he said, listen, we need to talk about safety. We need to talk about justice. So when I talk with him shortly, I'm going to be asking him, what can he do? 
with Soft on Crime DA in Manhattan. You know, he wants to get tough. He's got to clean up the streets of New York. Uh, crime overall in America is escalating. There are at least 15 cities that have whopping homicide rates that are exponentially at their highest peak that they have been in 10 years. And in New York City alone, 37% increase in overall crime, 37.7, it's almost 38%. Get this, in Grand Theft Auto, crime is up 92.5%. That is a staggering amount. Transit crime, who wants to go on the subway? 69%. Shootings, 32%. So will Adams be able to turn this around? And what do you make of the meeting he had with President Biden. Was it a dog and pony show? Was it all just theatrics? Was there any substance to the meeting? And more importantly, do you think also that President Biden gets it? Because all I heard from him today was guns, 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 going after guns, saying that illegal guns are the root of it all. What about thug control? He's talking about gun control. Somebody's got to be pulling the trigger. And he is just so focused on getting the guns off the street. What about getting the criminals off the street? And what about getting those people who pull the trigger behind bars? And what about making sure that we throw the book at them? What's going to happen about that? What are you going to do when Alvin Bragg suddenly has the guy before him and then says, oh, well, that's not necessarily a crime. I'm not going to worry about that. Or you can resist arrest with police. That's not a crime anymore in New York. That's outrageous. How can that be? So no matter how tough Eric Adams is, no matter how good the NYPD is, and boy, have they paid a price of late, as we know, with those two fallen officers. You know, they have just gone through such difficult times. And yet, How are we going to turn this around in major cities around the country like New York and elsewhere? And again, in just about 20 minutes or so from now, an exclusive interview with the current New York City Mayor Eric Adams, who just met with President Biden just a few hours ago. Here, first of all, is President Biden. And again, listen to what he says. What how are you going to combat crime? Again, it's all guns, guns, guns. First. We want to crack down on the flow of firearms used to commit violence. That includes taking on and shutting down rogue gun dealers. At, uh, and it's, it's about doing background checks, it's as well as outright selling, uh, uh, of that, making sure the people who are not allowed to have a gun don't get the gun in the first place. It's all about making sure they don't have access to guns. And listen, I don't think people who have illegal guns, I don't think criminals who have guns should have guns. You know, I I agree with that. I don't think that people who are, again, not legal gun owners should have it. But it sounds to me like he wants to get guns, you know, just disintegrated, period. And he also didn't say anything about punishment. Because, again, it's like if somebody puts their hand on a hot stove If they don't get burned, they might say, well, the stove isn't so bad. Let me do it again. We need to throw the book at criminals. Where is the tough love on that end, the tough crime, the tough punishment, so they understand it? Here's a little bit more, again, about President Biden's solution. And again, it's not going after making sure the criminals are responsible. Take a listen to who he says needs to be held accountable. Imagine had we had a liability. They're the only industry in America that is exempted from being able to be sued 
by the public. Only one. Imagine had that been the way with cigarette manufacturers. Where the hell would we, where where the heck would we be? We'd be in tough shape. Why gun manufacturers? Because of the power of their lobbying ability. It's got to end. End. They got to be held responsible. If he had only changed the words for repeat offenders, they've got to be held responsible, then I would be cheering them. But he's sitting there saying gun manufacturers are the worst of the worst. And I never heard the president today say we cannot have these horrible repeat offenders terrorizing the streets of America. I wish he had the same passion that I just heard there about criminals. I never heard him talk about criminals today. All I heard about was making sure that people who've had, you know, tough circumstances that have committed crimes, that they get mental health, making sure that they help them to get a job, making sure they get. What about making sure that they pay the price so they don't commit the crime again? I I never heard that. And that was astounding to me. And here's a little bit more again where he said, guess what? All these things I'm talking about going after gun manufacturers, going after illegal guns, all of that by no means infringes on the U.S. Constitution. And again, for any of the press, any of the press listening, this doesn't violate anybody's Second Amendment right. There's no violation of a Second Amendment right. We talk like there's no amendment that's absolute. When the amendment was passed, it didn't say anybody can own a gun and any kind of gun and any kind of weapon. You couldn't buy a cannon and when the, this, this uh, amendment was passed. And so no reason why you should be able to buy certain assault weapons. But that's another issue. What about the people who are using these weapons illegally? What about saying individuals who commit a crime will pay a severe price? And I would have loved for him to have said, especially as it was just yesterday, that was the funeral of Officer Wilbert Mora, Remember, you saw those street, it was thousands upon thousands of NYPD men and women that were lining the streets and that were in front of St. Patrick's Cathedral at that funeral that I went to. It was so emotional and so moving. And we had the sister of the late detective, now Wilbert Mora, saying, please change the system. I'm begging you. I am pleading with you. I'm begging you. And that was similar to what the widow of Jason Rivera said the week before. When is enough enough? What is the DA going to do? The DA's law. She literally called out the soft on crime DA in New York, Alvin Bragg. And yet today there was no reference to getting tough and putting pressure on prosecutors to throw the book at criminals. Here is a little bit from former U.S. Attorney Andy McCarthy, and his reaction was pretty similar to mine. Well, I, I, what I thought was uh, depressing, John, is, number one, the biggest problem crime-wise in the city is gangs. I didn't mm-hmm. hear the president mention that word once. And there's a lot of talk about guns and guns in particular coming across state lines. And putting aside Sandra's excellent point that there's no talk about, you know, over the border, uh, the fact of the matter is if not a single gun came into New York City, they already have plenty of an arsenal mm-hmm to fuel crime from now until the end of time. So the issue is not guns per se or guns coming across the state lines. It's allowing police to take proactive measures. It's allowing police to do their job, to be able to prevent it. And it's also about throwing the book at criminals. 
What are your thoughts, everybody? You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And I'll take your calls when we come back. It's The Rita Cosby Show. And you got to keep listening here on the Rita Cosby Show because coming up in just about 10 minutes, we will be doing an exclusive radio interview with the current New York City Mayor Eric Adams. And what an important day after he had met with President Biden in New York City to talk about fighting crime. So I have a lot of questions to ask Eric Adams and looking forward to him joining us again Just about 10 minutes or so from now here on The Rita Cosby Show. And here's a little bit of what he had to say earlier during his meeting with the president about fighting crime. Today, here at One Police Plaza, where I walked across that stage as a captain, we're here in solidarity to deal with the issue of violence that has become pervasive in not only New York City, but in the cities across America. And I want to thank all of you for joining me as we pursue this fight to make sure the stain of violence does not destroy our communities. And this is what former New York City Police Commissioner Bill Bratton had to say about Eric Adams and his hope that he can turn things around in New York. I was pleased to see that the president and certainly uh, the newly elected Mayor Mayor Adams in New York uh, have uh, started to come back to Senate. I just hope that they have the ability to push back on the forces from the progressive left. And, of course, the progressive left, including New York D.A., Manhattan D.A., Alvin Bragg, and lots of these soft-on-crime D.A.s that are existing across the country. Let's go to your calls, 1-800-848-9222, Let's go to Eric in Manhattan. Go ahead, Eric. Hey, Rita, your poor call screener. Yeah, I was yelling at the radio at Biden as he picked up. <laughs> but um, I want to say really how quick. L- I have a question. Couple- Eric, yeah. how loud were you yelling? Very oh, no, loud or I partially was, loud? I was angry. No, I was just <laughs> finishing my screen. Oh, I was, I was so angry. Um, remember the couple in Florida, I believe it was, that the, they were just defending themselves with just pistols against a crowd of Antifa and, and black libtard morons uh, about to invade their house. And there was another one. Um, the kid ran them out of his neighborhood, uh, two cars across the street and one rifle. These images, uh, the left does not want people to see. They don't. They, this is defend themselves lawfully against real threats because these are going to be their brown shirts. And you know, you're, all your audiences on every show, you're so smart. The, your calls will, will pick up my point. Um, this is what I'm afraid of. We can't go this way because uh, people have have to have the right to defend themselves. Um, they're going to be harassing people at the polls, and God knows what else is going to go on. I mean, I, it's just scary. It's scary. And Eric, you know, you bring up an interesting point because at a time right now where crime is skyrocketing, there are many legal gun owners. There are a lot of people with, you know, businesses that are very concerned, uh, that are worried. There are a lot of people that haven't come back to some of these big cities also because the, just the crime is so bad. Um, but there are a lot of people who are deeply deeply concerned. And you're right. It has to be a separation of people using it lawfully versus unlawfully. Let's go to Robert in Philly. Robert, your thoughts real quick on the Rita Cosby show. Hi, Rita. Just two things on our esteemed president. Um, First of all, if a gun malfunctions and somebody is injured, 
you most certainly can sue a gun manufacturer. Number two, yes, people were allowed to own cannons back when they passed the uh, Constitution. Private militias had them. Well-to-do people with estates had them as kind of a throwback to feudal Europe. I don't expect Joe to know all this. Well, you know, did you hear also, by the way, that he was touting today, Robert, he was also touting his ability, um, a passage of, you know, of the, the Crime Act and the Crime Bill. And what's really interesting is when he was running for president, he denounced it because his party is so far to the left. And he said, oh, that was a big mistake. And yet today he was selling it as he's a tough law and order guy. And so much of this is they are seeing the polls. The polls are damning for the Democrats that they are soft on crime. And he's trying to look tougher. But all he's saying is guns, guns, guns. Mayor Eric Adams, however, is talking much more comprehensively. Remember, he's a former cop. And I can't wait to have him here on the Rita Cosby Show. He will be joining us after the break. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue, an exclusive radio interview with former New York City cop and current New York mayor, Eric Adams. And joining us now after his big day with President Biden in New York is New York City Mayor Eric Adams. Mayor Adams, great to have you here on the Rita Cosby Show. Rita, it's always a pleasure being on your show. Thank you for having me. How do you think your day went with the president in town? Obviously a big, important issue about combating crime. Uh, So true. You know what? Not every day you are able to Uh, bring in a symbol of strength and power and authority as the American president and have him shine his huge spotlight on an issue that is extremely dear to me, and that's public safety. Public safety and justice uh, will continue to be the prerequisite to prosperity, and I'm going to let New Yorkers know that. How concerned are you about crime? I mean, the numbers are staggering, Mayor Adams, you know, up uh, 38% overall year to date. Um, You have such a unique background with your experience, obviously, in public service and obviously, you know, as former law enforcement. How deeply troubled are you? Because people are worried. And and rightfully so. Um, they they, They should be concerned about what they're seeing, but I want them to remain optimistic on the future. Uh, New York City is a corporation. I'm the new CEO, and as in any new CEO, you have to put your plan and programs in place to turn around a failing company. And that's what we're experiencing uh, right now. When you watch uh, stores uh, closing because of the people walking in, taking whatever they want off the shelves, and no real response when you're watching in our subway system, those with mental health illnesses are on the subways and no one is stating that this is not the place for people to have a dignified existence. And then you're looking at the gun violence, bullets are carbon highways of death uh, to our community, took the lives of two officers. And when we buried uh, one officer the night before, we had another officer who was shot. And so there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to be concerned about, but I want us to remain optimistic because we're going to turn the city around. And I know this is a great city and we're resilient. 
Have you ever, you know, in recent times, you know, felt so, um, I guess, overwhelmed? And I think New Yorkers feel overwhelmed. Obviously, you're the CEO, uh, but everybody in town, there are a lot of people who say, you know, they go to the subway. I had a friend, by the way, who was on the subway today. It was 7 o'clock in the morning. There was one other person on the train, 7 in the morning. People are scared to ride subways. They're scared to be out on the street. Um, there is a real genuine fear, and the numbers are showing it. And, and there's a lot of pieces here to this, Mayor Adams. A social reader, and, and, and I want to, I want to uh, share with you and all of your listeners, there's not one day I wake up overwhelmed. Now, one day I believe we can't turn around our city. Uh, we will turn around the city and put it back on the pathway. Uh, we were devastated by COVID. Uh, many of our businesses were hit hard. Uh, many of our uh, co- companies and corporations, uh, only 30% occupancy. Many people don't want to come back to work. Uh, there's a lot of concern. But I do not wake up one day of being over- overwhelmed by what's in front of me. Because uh, I saw hard times before when I was a rookie police officer uh, during the mid-'80s. And I, we witnessed 2,000 homicides a year and almost 98,000 felonious assaults. But we continue to uh, move forward, and that's who we are as New Yorkers. And that's the spirit that I want New Yorkers to know, that we're going to lead ourselves out of this. Absolutely. And Mayor Adams, I've known you a long time. Um, you're always straight talking. You always say, you know, what you think. And there was a lot of focus, of course, with the president today about guns. That's an important part. Um, The one thing I didn't hear was about locking criminals up, keeping them locked up, the repeat offenders um, that we've seen time and time again um, that have been getting out. And I know that you have expressed concern about bail reform. Um, You you know how important it is that also people who have done acts uh, of, you know, criminal acts understand punishment and are afraid to go back into prison again, that understand that, and we can't have that revolving door. We've seen it time and time again. Um, what do you say to D.A. Alvin Bragg? And you're, you're right, Rita. Uh, let's be clear. Um, we are in a city, in a country, where consequences must uh, go with inappropriate actions. And we've created in these last few years, uh, in the country in general, but specifically in New York, uh, that uh, there is uh, no appropriate response to bad behavior. Uh, the laws have shown that, and it's troubling when uh, you could have a person that carries a gun repeatedly and they're treated in family court instead of criminal court. Uh, I think we need to tweet, tweak the law to reflect that that's unacceptable. And then we should give judges uh, the dangerousness clause, uh, something that 49 states currently have. There's no reason uh, we don't have it here in New York. But even if we can't get those victories, which I believe we should, uh, I say over and over again, there are many rivers that uh, flow into the sea of violence, and we need to dam every river. And we're going to do our job in the city to dam the river of the guns that are on the street, but we also need to dam the rivers that allow people to come back out after committing crimes and damn the river uh, that allows the flow of guns in our city. And that's what the president announced today uh, to continue the collaboration between city, state, and federal agencies. I call it the same response we had with 9-11 to stop terrorism, international terrorism to come to our shores. Then we need to now stop the domestic terror that we're living out every day in these cities.
Yeah, and people are terrified. I agree. There are so many layers to this. And and by the way, too, I thought it was interesting, the violence interrupters, uh, the some of the meetings that you had today. I think there are so many puzzles. But I, a lot of New Yorkers worry, Mayor Adams, particularly about D.A. Bragg. And I know you've spoken about it, but him putting out a memo on day one, you know, saying, you know, these are the crimes I'm reducing. These are the ones where we're not going to prosecute. Don't you think that sends a green light to criminals. And, and at the same time, we've got the governor who said she's going to give him some slack. At what point do we say, how much slack are you going to give him? You know, we met with all of the district attorneys uh, this week. Uh, we sat down and I believe we had a meeting of the mind of where we realized that we must be combined in our effort to deal with this issue of violence. And I've had conversations with D.A. Bragg and you know, I never revealed private conversations, uh, but I believe we're going to work together uh, specifically to deal with gun violence and look at some of these other cases that's leading to the state of disorder in our city. And I'm looking forward to partnering with the district attorneys. They were all there and they're excited about partnering, partnering with me. And we also met with the two U.S. attorneys uh, in the Eastern and Southern District. And so there's a real partnership developing. Do you believe that he heard you? Uh, because, you know, the, people are worried. People, there's been so many of these headlines, Mr. Mayor, of course, you know, from Alvin, you know, from Alvin Bragg's memo that came out on the first day. People are saying, well, did that telegraph to criminals that, you know, they're not going to get punished? And th- we, we definitely don't want to do that. Uh, criminals are extremely smart in how they stay attuned in new laws and procedures more than we do. And so That's true. I think it's imperative that we send the right message. And I, I am encouraged, uh, based on the meeting that we had, that we were sending the right message to keep the city safe. Are you encouraged that you could have an impact on the DA? Well, I'm hoping that we all have an impact on each other. And again, I don't want to go into the private conversations I had with him. And again, not even asking the private conversations, but just for people on the street to feel confident, because that's been the one thing that's been getting a lot of headlines. They're so true. And it's my responsibility to keep the people of this city safe. And I'm not going to point to any other uh, lawmaker or elected and give that responsibility to them. I need them to be my partners. But no matter what or who is in office and what policies come out, I have to work within those parameters and keep New Yorkers safe, and that's what I'm going to do. Absolutely. And believe me, people are very optimistic when they hear your words, Mayor Adams, and and what you're doing and your background. Um, Also want to ask you about um, the message, too, that you would say to all the police officers and especially their families, because it was so emotional as you know, you and I saw, we were at the funeral for Wilbur Mora. I know that you were at the funeral also for Jason Rivera. Um, what do you say to those relatives who are pleading for reform, pleading for change, and and hoping for the best that, that you could be the guy who turns the city around? I'm telling them that I was there September 11, 2001, when we witnessed uh, the symbols of New York crumble before our eyes. And... People focus on that day, September 11th, Rita. Uh, And although I give uh, honor to those we lost, uh, the day of remembrance for me is September 12th, 2001. We got up. Uh, Teachers taught. Retailers sold their goods. Police officers police. 
in all of the pain and despair and the number of lives we lost, uh, we understood that we would not live within that painful moment. We turned the pain into purpose and we regained our footing. And America looked towards us when they saw our response and it revitalized our entire country. And we're here again. COVID is not terrorism, but it was terror. And it brought terror to many of us. And we were the epic center then, just as we are now. And it's time for us to show America just exactly what New York is made of. And I think we're going to do that. And I'm look, looking forward to mobilizing my police, my other civil servants that are willing to do their job and move forward in making this happen. How heartbreaking was it for you to be there at the services? And, you know, just even for me being there, uh, Mayor Adams, it was just so emotional to see the sea of um, officers, um, you know, and and the the brothers and sisters that all came out from literally all over the country. It was just it was so inspiring, that part, and yet so heartbreaking um, to see, you know, the family members who lost their heroes, our heroes. Rita, uh, the night in the hospital when the families came in, uh, I was standing at the door when Officer Rivera's wife walked through the door at the Harlem Hospital. And I've responded to these types of incidents before, but I never experienced or saw that level of pain that just never dissipated. And it was hurtful to watch it. It was hurtful to have experienced that and then two funerals a few days apart, watching officers have to relive their trauma and just re reigniting our spirit that we have the responsibility that another family is not going to go through that. And as much as those officers felt pain, let me tell you what happened at the end of the funeral. Many of them went back to patrol. They went back to do their jobs because that's what we do. We serve and we protect the people of the city. And no matter who's the mayor, the police commissioner, or the president, we continue to do that every day. And I believe we're going to continue to do that. Yeah, and I feel like your background, Mayor Adams, you're, you are so uniquely qualified to understand all aspects of what's going on. Is there something that you would say um, real quick in terms of supporting police, giving them the tools, the stop and frisk, uh, allowing some of the broken windows, because you know that works, Comstat, too. We could, we could police without being abusive, and the everyday police officers would tell you that we can do that. We're not going to go backwards. We're not going to police in the forms and ways we did in the past, but we're also not going back, going to go backwards to a city where there were 2,000 homicides, 98,000 robberies, and the equivalent amount of felonious assaults. So we're moving forward in how we protect the city and how we make sure that we give the support that's needed to our police officers to do their job. I know that job well. I wore that uniform. I know how challenging uh, it is. But I also know that the overwhelming number of officers want to do their job correctly and protect the people of this city. And does that include stop and frisk? Stop, question, and frisk has never gone away. We're using it correctly, and that's the goal. We're going to use all the tools that are available to us to protect the people of the city. 
If you use, if you abuse a tool, it's no longer a tool, it's a weapon. And we're not going to weaponize good tools that are needed to protect people, such as body cameras, uh, the rightful use of non-lethal weapons, uh, and other tools that are out there. We're going to properly use the tools to protect the people of the city. And finally, um, I know one of the things about you, and I've known you for so many years, uh, Mayor Adams, you seek advice from a lot of people. You like to get different people's advice. Um, Interesting, I know you met with former Governor Cuomo recently. I'm not going to get into your private discussions. Um, (laughs) But what I think is really neat is that you're always open to different ideas and to talk to different lawmakers, what worked, what didn't work. What was the best piece of advice that you got from him? Well, actually, I'm open to talk to everyone. Remember, I sat down with the anti-vaxxers when they protested in front of my office. Yeah, you do. You talk to everybody. I love that. I sat down with gang members to find out how to get people out of gangs. Uh, I sat down uh, with, you know, people who agree with me or disagree with me. I wanted to sit down with the governor to uh, see a person who had a long career. Uh, in government as we deal with these challenging times in Albany and as well as the city. And he uh, gave me some creative ideas on how to deal with the budget, how to present to Albany next week on get the resources to the city. And so I, I stayed focused on those items that he shared. It wasn't a political meeting. It was a meeting about uh, how to utilize his talents as I don't, I don't leave any stone unturned. Uh, to address the crisis we have in front of us. Wow. So you felt it was a productive. Was there anything you walked away and said, gosh, I'm going to do that. That's a great line. I'm going to use that. Well, he gave me some creative creative ideas on how to get businesses uh, back up and operating. And I'm running them by my team to see if that's something we want to do, uh, because we're dealing with a real crisis that we don't have our offices open. And it's crucial that we do so. Well, you are juggling so many things. And Mayor Adams, I know not just the city, the whole country is praying for you. And I know you have your hands full, but I am happy to hear that you are not overwhelmed and uh, that the CEO is inspired and, and excited and also understands all these different layers. Mayor Adams, thank you so much. It's always so great to have you on. Thank you. Take care. Very interesting discussion with the current New York City Mayor Eric Adams talking, of course, about gun crime, crime in general, um, and also saying, you know, he's concerned, but he is optimistic. And also talking about Alvin Bragg. What do you think about all of this, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And you were just hearing a really fascinating interview with the current New York City Mayor. Eric Adams. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. We just had an exclusive radio interview with the current New York City Mayor, Eric Adams, talking about crime. Also, soft on crime DA Alvin Bragg, which is in New York, as many other cities have across the country. And also his thoughts about guns. Also his thoughts about punishment to criminals. I was happy to hear him say also that he feels that criminals do need to be punished. But then he is also dealing with DAs 
who have a different view of what the punishment should be. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Bill in Philadelphia. Bill, your thoughts. Go ahead. Hey, Bill, are you there? Bill, we're going to come back to you. Let's go to Ann if we could. Ann, your thoughts about it. Go ahead, Ann. Oh, hi, Rita. Um, I have a few comments, so I'm going to talk a little fast. Uh, first of all, I'm really sick about hearing about guns. I mean, the people who are shoving other And who do you have? Do- who's do- barking in the background there? You got to move your dog. Okay. I'm a dog lover, but you got to move your dog so we can hear you. Well, I didn't realize that she was barking so loud. I'm sorry. By the way, what kind of um, a dog is it? Uh, she's a Staffordshire Bull Terrier. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. I'm a big dog yeah. fan, a big animal fan. But anyway, Anne, go ahead. Tell me, tell me what did you think about Biden and Eric Adams? Well, you know, I really wish, well, Eric, Eric Adams was a little bit better, <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, by the way, Anne, I, I feel for him because you hear in his voice someone who sincerely does want to make a difference for New York, does understand policing, and even says, yeah, criminals do need to understand that there is punishment, that they have to pay a price. But then he still has to deal with other people who were elected also who feel a little differently. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is The Rita Cosby Show. I know your name is Rita, because your perfume is smelling sweeter. Since when I saw you down on the floor. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. We are talking about my interview that I did with the current New York City Mayor, Eric Adams, who also met today with President Biden in New York City to talk about fighting crime. It's a problem that's not just happening in New York City, but major cities across the country where crime is booming in 15 of the major cities. They are hitting a decade-high homicide rate. Uh, And this is an issue that is affecting so many communities across America. And today, when the president was there, he was talking guns, guns, and more guns as being really basically the root of all crime. Take a listen. We've also created a strike force to crack down on legal gun trafficking across state lines. As the mayor said, as he pointed out, guns that are used to kill people in New York City, they aren't made in New York City. They aren't sold in New York City. They are sold in other places. Today, the attorney general directed all U.S. attorneys in the United States to prioritize combating gun trafficking across state lines and city boundaries. And this is, of course, the same attorney general who is going after parents saying that they were, quote, domestic terrorists when they were speaking out at school boards. That's a guy who's going to be in charge now of the gun, basically, guidance and oversight at the Department of Justice. I got a couple questions about that. And also, I have a lot of questions about this line from President Biden, where he made it clear that they are using basically what's happening now in the country in terms of, obviously, the skyrocketing crime all over the place and the very brazen amount of crime that we're seeing in so many major cities across the country. He is clearly going to use it to try to fight for gun control. This is something he's been wanting to do for decades And he is using this moment to go solely, basically, after the gun makers and also gun traffickers. 
What about the criminals who are using the guns? Take a listen to who he is basically saying bears responsibility. Imagine had we had a liability. They're the only industry in America that is exempted from being able to be sued by the public. Only one. Imagine had that been the way with cigarette manufacturers. Where the hell would we, where where the heck would we be? We'd be in tough shape. Why gun manufacturers? Because of the power of their lobbying ability. It's got to end. End. They got to be held responsible. And after that meeting took place, former U.S. Attorney Andy McCarthy had this to say. He basically said that the Biden White House has its priorities all out of whack, that going after just the gun users and going for gun control, that that is not the full solution to this problem in any shape or form. And he cites back to history in New York City. When crime was down, when we had the record drop of crime from the early 1990s until around, you know, 2015, 2017, there were plenty of guns in the city then also. Mm -hmm. Um, The reason crime went down was because of proactive policing. Uh, It wasn't a matter of guns. A lot of the guns that are uh, most of the guns that are held in the city are held by law abiding people for their defense. And as I said, you know, when the feds talk about guns, they tend to talk about guns moving across state lines because that's the federal jurisdictional element that justifies their getting involved in it. But it's got very little to do with people's day to day in terms of their safety on the streets. Yeah. And especially when some of the latest crimes that you've seen have been stabbings. How about that homeless guy? Remember who walked in in in, uh, California and Los Angeles, Brianna Kupfer, He had a rap sheet a mile long, never should have been out on the streets, came in to the store in the morning hours on a Saturday. It looks like totally unprovoked, didn't know her, came in and suddenly stabbed her to death, left her literally bleeding to death on the floor of the furniture store. So when a customer came in, found her there. Um, Here is this beautiful UCLA grad student just studying, uh, you know, and trying to make a living. And yet... How would anything that we're hearing today stop somebody like that from committing crime? How is that going to help that? I didn't hear that. Well, here is current mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, talking about his meeting with President Biden. This is a little bit of our conversation. This is what he told me just a little bit ago. How do you think your day went with the president in town? Obviously, a big, important issue about combating crime. Uh, so true. You know what? Not every day you are able to uh, bring in a symbol of strength and power and authority as the American president and have him shine his huge spotlight on an issue that is extremely dear to me. And that's public safety, public safety and justice. Uh, will continue to be the prerequisite to prosperity. And I'm going to let New Yorkers know that. So what are your thoughts about all of this, everybody? 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Um, also, we heard, you know, from Eric Adams saying that, yeah, things need to get tougher on criminals. He understands this. He's a former New York City police captain. He was in the force for a long time. He understands that you have to have punishment The problem is he has a soft on crime D.A. who was separately elected, who he doesn't have jurisdiction over. Certainly you could have influence with, but he doesn't have technically jurisdiction over named Alvin Bragg. So how are our cities 
as important as New York and elsewhere going to turn things around. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Pete in Staten Island. Your thoughts about this all, Pete? Go ahead. Hi, Rita. Let me tell you, uh, Eric Adams, two years ago, I was in Mariners Harbors giving out turkeys with him. And I'm going to tell you, the, the, the truck that came in, it came in late. He walked over to all the crowd of people talking to them so personable. And he was actually talking about crime because that area is riddled in crime in Staten Island. That around Jersey Street, West Brighton, it's really, really bad. You know, it's not the uh, people who have guns. It's the people, the bad guys that get access to them. I could walk down my corner and yell out, I got $300, I want a gun. And they'll put, people put two in my hand. That's how bad it is. Yeah, now, it, now it is really bad. Now, Pete, do you where do you see things turning around, and what do you make of the fact that you know, especially today? I mean, we just heard Eric Adams say, "Listen, he wants comprehensive. He does think there should be stiffer punishments for criminals. That's absolutely the right thing to do, I think." Uh, but again, he's got a DA who you know uses his own judgment um, and decides to go soft on criminals. You know, um, so yeah, there's a bit I'm of a saying, battle. I'm seeing out here in the last three weeks, I'm seeing a lot of uh, unmarked cars, and they're not the normal cars that the police drive. They're, you know, like family cars that they drive with tinted glass. So now I understand that the guys have, uh, you know, identification on them. It says NYPD and all that stuff and the cameras. But it's still with the tinted glass, it is helping because with over here, it's the element of surprise. When you see a police car with the lights on and stuff, these guys, they scatter off. But when it's a car that looks like a regular car or a beat-up Chevrolet or something, it works because the element of surprise, they catch them while they're in the act of making a sale or a drug deal or something. So thousand we percent. Need that again. We need that again. We can't have it advertised. We can't have the blue and white car going down the block with the lights on, because these guys, they even, uh, they go away. You know Absolutely. Mean? But cars, we need them. We need the anti-crime. I was grabbed one time because I, uh, they mistook me for somebody. I was in a store, and some bus driver said that uh, somebody wouldn't pay the fare. So I told the officer when they were, you know, talking to me, I says, listen, I got a half-fare card. I'm a senior citizen, you know. Actually, I was disabled, so I had a half-fare card. Why would I argue to pay half-fare and not and be full-fare? And, they, you know, they listened to everything. And when the bus driver came in to make the ID, the, I thought the bus driver said, uh, that's the guy. But he said, that's not the guy. But, but, I you, know what, but you know what's interesting, Pete? You just brought up a great example, and I, I love your call because – Two things. First off, you're right. For it has to be, you know, uh, plain clothes. They have to, if they're really going to be effective, they need to be entrenched in the community. That's when you catch people in the act. People are not going to do it when cops come up and say, "Hi, I'm a police officer. Just don't worry about it. Just deal drugs in front of me. Just keep going." I mean, that's never going to happen. You, you, that's a superb point. The other point is what you just said is that when the law enforcement came, you know, when you were asked a question. You said, hey, you know, officer, no, I didn't do it. Here's the thing. You didn't argue with the cops. You didn't run in the other direction. You didn't resist arrest. And that's one thing. That's the lesson that everybody needs to take, that if a police officer comes over to you, you talk to them politely. You explain, hey, sorry, it was a miscommunication. If it was a miscommunication, you know, it was a miscommunication and this didn't happen. And guess what? You weren't arrested. 
You know, it's the people who are running away sometimes half the time that we hear often are saying, well, you know, the police abused me. Well, maybe because you were resisting arrest or maybe they caught you with a weapon or a knife or whatever. There could be a lot of other reasons there. And so often, you know, it's like, oh, the police were overreaching or they were doing. Well, you maybe you shouldn't have been running away from them. Maybe you shouldn't have been driving 90 miles an hour, uh, you know, down I-95 in Florida away from them. You know, maybe that would be a good idea. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Steve in New Jersey. Steve, your thoughts. Yeah, I read a, um, I have a problem with Adams. You know, he says he's going to work within the framework, which automatically means he's staying with Greg. And I know he has no control over it, but. By the way, did you hear me? I kept I kept pressing him. You heard that, Steve. I kept asking it in every single different direction, six ways to Sunday. And Rita, if you heard the chief of detectives today on your on one of the shows earlier, he has the absolute right idea. He said, "We catch you with a gun, five years in prison, no early release. You want if we're going to get serious, we need to do something serious." Adams is a great politician. I give him all the credit in the world. He's a great politician, but Rita, nothing has been done. I love New York City. I, I would be so frightened to go there today. It is unbelievable. And what are you worried about guns coming into the city for? Everybody got a gun. Everybody got a gun already. Well, that was the point that, um, you know, that like Andy McCarthy was saying, and also the former uh, NYPD commissioner, Bill Bratton, were all kind of saying, listen, guns were already here. What was effective? The good thing is there is a track record in New York City, Um, much of it led by Rudy Giuliani, you know, mayor at the time and Bill Bratton at the time, too. That sort of combination, um, you know, of that get tough on crime attitude. And you could have a gun that is illegal. But if you get busted with it at that point, guess what? They knew under Rudy Giuliani and others that the book was going to be thrown at them. They knew that they were going to be paying a price. And right now they don't feel that. And part of it though is a bit of a, of a double-edged sword for Eric Adams, because I do genuinely believe he wants to turn this city around. I do genuinely believe he understands that crime is bad he knows he cannot be successful if crime stays escalating and continues or even just stays at this level. It's not tolerable. He knows that not only are citizens just so overwhelmed, businesses don't want to come back to New York City. I mean, he talked about the very low occupancy. He's getting messages. You know, you got to remember in all these cities around the country that we're all experiencing, guys, there consistently are claims from the business leaders who say, why should I come back into L.A.? Why should I come back into San Fran? Why should I come back, you know, into Miami and some of these places? You know, Miami's better for sure. You know, definitely. That's actually a good example of, of doing things in a much better way. But in some of these other cities, there are problems that just, you know, it's intolerable to do business. It's not a productive business climate, and it's definitely not a climate for families. And that's why it is so important. He's hearing it from every direction. He's got to make a difference, but he somehow has to figure out how to get Alvin Bragg and this soft on crime DA off his butt, you know, because you can't just be at an impasse. That doesn't help anybody. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. What is the solution for New York City and so many other big cities across America with fighting crime. And you heard from Biden today. 
It's all about guns. I think he's missing the mark. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And you're listening to the Rita Cosby Show. I was talking recently with New York City Mayor Eric Adams, and this is what he had to say about what seems like voluminous crime and quite a bit overwhelming, as I asked him, dealing with all the issues that are going on in New York. There's not one day I wake up overwhelmed. Not one day I believe we can't turn around our city. Uh, we will turn around the city and put it back on a pathway. And he was a lot more coherent than President Biden, who he met with earlier today. Boy, he seems like a much you know more direct, straight leader uh, than Biden, who was just kind of fumbling and bubbling today. Take a listen to how he opened up the press, basically, briefing this afternoon. He was at NYPD, and this is how he started telling this meandering story. As used to say in the Senate, a point of personal privilege, I, when uh, everything, uh, when the economy died in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and I moved down to Delaware with my dad and my mom and the family, I moved to a little town called Claymont, Delaware, and it was a steel town just across the border from Pennsylvania, right up in that arc. And uh, uh, I went to, uh, I spent 12 years going to school there, or actually not 12, I started in third grade. At any rate, I went to a school, a little Catholic school called Holy Rosary, across from a small police department and the fire hall. And everybody that I grew up with either became a cop, a firefighter, or a priest. I wasn't qualified for any of them, so here I am. Uh, but uh, I admire the hell out of all of you. I really do. It's not, I'm not being solicitous. I mean it sincerely. What a weird way to start a briefing. It was like, um, Mr. President, you're in New York City. You're talking about crime. Can you get to the point? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to John in Bergen County. Go ahead, John. Good evening, Rita. I just wanted to point out a few comments that Eric Adam made on the campaign trail. When he was asked if he would rather, if he would go back to Giuliani-type policies, he said no, they were racist. He'd prefer to go back to David Dinkins' era before he went back to the Giuliani era. I think that pretty much says where this city is headed. You never, you haven't had a worse criminal um, spree in 50 years than was under Dinkins. And I really feel like we're going in that exact direction. He's saying all the right things, but he's doing nothing. Well, And listen, by the way, John, I pray, John, I pray he's successful because we want every major mayor in the big cities here to be successful. It is key, but he's got a lot of battles to fight, too. Um, Mike on the Lower East Side. Go ahead, Mike. Your thoughts real quick. How are you, Rita? Yeah, I'm willing to give... uh... Uh, Mayor Adams, uh, all the time he needs, but he's got to do also. He's got to have the police go undercover totally, because right now they got a big bullseye on them, and they're dead meat. Okay, he's got to be responsible to them and their families and every New Yorker. Absolutely. And by the way, you bring up the most important thing is protecting all the citizens of New York. And you're right, our precious NYPD, our precious law enforcement, have to know they're protected. When we come back, we're going to talk about Biden going after ISIS. But what about Afghanistan? Rita Cosby is on. 
Elliot Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes, a beautiful tribute to a World War II veteran, Julian Hodges, who celebrated his 99th birthday just a few days ago. Now, Hodges spent most of his life near the water. He followed in his older brother's footsteps, and he joined the Navy in 1941. He was assigned to the USS Yorktown, where he worked as a fireman in the boiler room. Now, during his time on the Yorktown, Hodges saw the ship take damage during the Battle of the Coral Sea in May of 1942. He was also injured when the ship was attacked and eventually sunk during the historic Battle of Midway in June 1942. During the Battle of Midway, the USS Yorktown was struck by both bombs and also torpedoes. And Hodges celebrated his birthday again, 99 years young, just on Saturday. And he shared the story of many of his times in the service to many people in the community in Johnson City, Tennessee. And he also talked with his neighbor quite a bit, who he has befriended. And he got a very special gift from his neighbor there in Johnson City, Tennessee. David Denny built a replica model of the USS Yorktown Forum and also included a special tribute to him on the replica. What a beautiful, beautiful way to honor one of our greatest generation. Bravo to all the great people there in Johnson City, Tennessee, and, of course, across the country honoring our great heroes. Well, today there was some great news, speaking of which, on the military front. Big news came out of Washington announcing that the leader of ISIS, who was in Syria, died in a raid. It was not an airstrike. And by the way, he didn't get killed. He actually blew himself up. When I say he got killed, he killed himself. But he actually was not killed by U.S. forces. The U.S. forces were closing in on him, and he blew himself up. So it was an interesting thing. He also killed family members along the way. I'm glad he's no longer here. And so is John Kirby, who's the Pentagon spokesman. He was the leader of ISIS, and it was an ISIS-K attack. But uh, what we do know is he was uh, a hands-on kind of leader. Uh, we know that... Um, uh, that he certainly had knowledge of and uh, uh, was it, uh, at least maintaining a level of situational awareness uh, during the Hasaka prison break last week. We know that he was directly involved in the massacre and the, uh, and the rape of innocent uh, uh, Yazidis back in uh, 2014. Um, uh, this, is a, this is a man that we should all be happy is no longer walking on the face of the earth. And I am happy to hear that news. And I'm sure President Biden is, too, because he hasn't had a lot of good foreign victories of late and could use some sort of uh, mojo on the foreign policy front because, boy, are things a disaster. Here is President Biden when he announced the news this morning. Last night, operating on my orders, the United States military forces successfully moved a major terrorist threat to the world, the global leader of ISIS, known as Haji Abdullah. He took over as leader of ISIS in uh, 2019 after the United States counterterrorism operation killed al-Baghdadi. Since then, 
ISIS has directed terrorist operations targeting Americans, our allies, and our partners, and countless civilians in the Middle East, Africa, and in South Asia. Haji Abdullah oversaw the spread of ISIS-affiliated terrorist groups around the world after savaging communities and murdering innocents. He was responsible for the recent brutal attack on a prison in northeast Syria holding ISIS fighters, which was swiftly addressed by our brave partners in the Syrian Democratic Forces. He was the driving force behind the genocide of the Yazidi people in northwestern Iraq in 2014. We all remember the gut-wrenching stories, mass slaughters that wiped out entire villages, thousands of women and young girls sold into slavery, rape used as a weapon of war. And thanks to the bravery of our troops, this horrible terrorist leader is no more. Our forces carried out the operation with their signature preparation and precision, and I directed the Department of Defense to take every precaution possible to minimize civilian casualties. So what do you make of the timing of this attack? Apparently, they say it's been in the works for quite some time. And why wasn't he able to do any pinpoint tracks on basically the Taliban leaders who he has left in control of Afghanistan? If they have that great precision, you know, why the heck do we have terrorists running Afghanistan? And why are we not able to evacuate the Americans and still many of our allies that are still there in Afghanistan? Well, take a listen to Congressman Mike Gallagher and his response to all of this. Remember, President Biden lied when he said that al-Qaeda was not present in Afghanistan as they tried to justify pulling out. Al-Qaeda helped the Taliban take over Kabul. Uh, While these groups compete in various domains, over various geography, sometimes they cooperate, sometimes they don't, I think the success of the Salafi jihadist movement draws recruits globally into the region. And so that's what I'm worried about. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? You know, you can sit there and listen. I'm glad, by the way, that this guy blew himself up. I'm glad he's no longer on the face of this earth. He also blew up his wife and a child and many other people, it sounds like, in the building as well. Um, Many of them, obviously, who were helping him. But Biden still left Afghanistan in such a mess and such a disaster. And if he's such a great, shrewd guy, remember, this is a guy who also was not in support of the raid on bin Laden. It's very interesting that he's trying to look like he's like Mr. Hawk now, when, boy, was he like the biggest dove. He was the guy, remember, in the room, in that room, who was the one who said, no, 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 we shouldn't go in on that raid. You know, and today he's under my authority, under my this, under my that. Remember, Robert Gates, the former defense secretary, said that Biden has been wrong on basically every major foreign policy decision In U.S. history, I think this one was a good move. So I give him credit for this because I say bravo. But it still leaves so many unanswered questions about Afghanistan. It's like you bring up Afghanistan. He doesn't want to talk about it like it doesn't even exist on the map. And one of the things that I found really interesting today during the briefing, I was listening to the briefing with John Kirby there at the Pentagon. And he was talking about the fact that one of the Black Hawk helicopters, it was an M-60, landed away from the compound and where they were trying to go in to get this guy, the bad guy. Um, and so it and had some problems. And instead of, you know, uh, figuring out how to get it out of there or whatever else, they said, you know, just because of the timing and everything else, they blew it up. They got rid of it because they didn't want that technology to land in the bad guys there in Syria. 
So they were able to blow up this one Blackhawk helicopter, and yet they left billions of dollars of equipment in Afghanistan, and they couldn't blow up any of those, and they're now all in the hands of the Taliban? I mean, this today sounds like a very successful mission. Also, it was a raid, not a strike. But they were able, Why? What? how come they couldn't when they were dealing with the Taliban, who they said they were negotiating with, they couldn't get the Blackhawks either destroyed, the billions of dollars that are now in their hands, and they couldn't get them somehow either destroyed or on a C-130 plane in America and brought back to America? I mean, it does not make any sense. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Sean in the Bronx. Sean, your thoughts. Go ahead. Yeah, I was wondering, as a retired NYPD detective who worked in district... Sean, do you got to call us back? We got a bad connection. Let's go to Robert in Westchester. Robert, go ahead, Robert. Thank you. So I want to know, is it true? The very first thing that came to my mind when I heard this announcement was, is it true? With all of the lies and deception that's gone on with this administration, is it true? Or is it just another deception thing to get people's mind off the bigger picture with what's happening between China, Russia, and India, who could form uh, links in monetary ways that would make any sanction that this country would pose insignificant to Russia. That's an, you know, Robert, that, and stay with me, Robert. That, that's an interesting point, Robert, because I thought the same thing, too. And you know why? I, I used to always, and I've been in many a Pentagon briefing. I spent a lot of time covering Washington, spent, been in there. I've always kind of taken what they said as gospel, you know, when you hear a U.S. official saying it. Um, but I'll tell you, after those Afghanistan hearings where, remember, they said, oh, we got our mark, and it turned out it was an aid worker, remember, with a whole bunch of kids in the vehicle, but they let yeah. it go for the longest time. Remember, they even looked us in the eye and said, oh, yeah, no, we made our mark. We're sure of it, you know? And today there was something a little weird when I was watching Kirby, like almost he was given like a, a talk notes. Oh, the president, by his authority, was like repeating the same messages um, and then he kept saying um, the only people killed were, um, you know, the ones who were firing at us. Like they were trying to, like, justify, like, there's something more to the story. And just like you said, how can we believe them? Remember, that after all the lies that were told to us with Afghanistan, the president said, oh, nobody told me that we should stay in Bagram. Yes, they did. Nobody told me that we should have 2,300 U.S. troops stay in Afghanistan. Yes, Millie did. Lloyd Austin did. Mackenzie did. They all did. You know, so it's like like they lied to us repeatedly over and over again. No one's going to be left behind. There's still people there that are begging to get out. But isn't that sad, Robert, that we're not sure if we can trust it? And you're right. At a time, is this wag the dog, Robert? What do you think? We cannot trust them. Listen to Jen Psaki every time she gets up there. Every time, if you listen carefully what she's doing, she says so many things in such a short amount of time that it baffles people to keep in, to, to keep up with what she's saying and then she says okay next question and people buy it as if it's the truth it's all the, the whole thing about truthification it's just unbelievable yeah it is that both sides don't do it both sides do it but it's it's disgusting and let they talk about gun control they can't talk about morality because they don't have it 
Yeah, it, I'm telling you, it, it's they are so focused on that. And for some reason, they are afraid to take these soft on crime DAs to task. And they're afraid to throw the book at repeat offenders. And that is putting us at incredible risk, all of us across the country. And you're right. It's like, you know, like the spinning and weaving on historical facts. Either did you kill them? You know, they claim they did. But let's see the proof because you're right. That we've been lied to quite a bit of late, especially when it comes to foreign affairs with this administration. Let's go to J.C. in East Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. J.C., what do you make of the fact that, you know, they're claiming this victory like they've changed, turned the tide. And yet it's like, oh, don't bring up a single question about Afghanistan, which is terrorist uh, haven right now. It's like a terrorist playground there. This is all, Rita, this is all political theater. That's what it is. Listen, if anybody thinks that Biden was in any of this decision, they're out of their minds. I guarantee the military just took charge of this. Uh, you saw how tough. Hey, by, by, the, by the way, J.C., maybe Biden was there physically, but not mentally. Right. Yeah, yeah, Wait, right. right. I mean, you, you see how tough uh, Millie was getting with Putin about NATO. But however, uh, it's very it's very funny that nobody said anything about him. Uh, the uh, Biden's attack. On this leader, but when when uh, Trump took out uh, Soleimani, uh, everybody was up in arms that he was going to cause World War III. They did. They also did this to take away from the fact they wanted to make America look strong because how bad uh, we looked for Afghanistan. We don't know if really what happened over there. This is just all political theater, and it's just trying to take away from the fact. Okay, that this this presidency has done so bad. So they're just trying to take it away from all of his failures. Right. I know, J.C., I hear you. J.C., I hear you, because I think that there is a lot of this. I think they're looking at the polls and in light of everything that we've been talking about, even this hour, like I think they're looking at the polls saying that this president looks soft on crime, looks soft on going after terrorism, looks soft on that. And they're like, okay, what can we do? Uh, Check. Okay, let's do uh, a gun conference and make me look like I'm tough on crime, even though he's still not going after soft on crime DAs. All right. And repeat offenders. Uh, Check. Okay, let's find a bad guy. Let's see if we can go after him. Let's see what we can do. And you're right. Until we know all the facts, he lied to us so much over Afghanistan. How can we trust what he is saying now? What are your thoughts, everybody? Is this a case of wag the dog? And playing politics that President Biden claims that this strike happened. The Pentagon says it happened. But they're also the ones who said that during that strike, remember, that took place after the Abbey Gate where 13 of our servicemen were killed. They also said, oh, yeah, we got them. We got the person behind. I thought, boy, they're real geniuses. And it turned out to be an aid worker with a whole bunch of kids. Remember, they never got that guy. So can we trust what's happening now? And does this change your perception of President Biden on foreign policy? He's trying to make you think so. It's an election year. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And this is, of course, you know this is the day the music died. Of course, that's when that terrible plane crash happened with Buddy Holly and all the others. That was just unbelievable. So playing some great music from some of the great music legends who left us way too 
soon on February 3rd, a number of years ago. But on this day, we are talking also about what happened on this day or actually a couple hours ago because it was announced this morning that the leader of ISIS in Syria was taken out by a raid that Jen Psaki claims Joe Biden had his fingerprints all over it. And Jen Psaki said, this is great news for the world that this ISIS guy is gone. Take a listen. Hajj Abdullah's death delivers a catastrophic blow to ISIS and shows that the United States will take out terrorist threats no matter where they stand to hide in the world, try to hide in the world. Last night's effective action took a major terrorist leader off the battlefield and makes it clear that we will hold anyone accountable who seeks to harm Americans at home or around the world. And she made it clear that Biden was so organized and was on top of this. This is the guy, of course, who didn't want to call for the bin Laden raid, who, you know, Robert Gates said is no clue on history. Well, this is what Jen Psaki said, that Biden was the leader and the big orchestrator behind this all. The operation uh, has been months and was months in planning. The president was first briefed on this operation in depth over a month ago by the actual operational commanders. He was regularly updated by the national security team on the planning details of this operation to include a briefing in the Oval Office on Monday. Last night, the president monitored key aspects of the operation in real time in the White House Situation Room. So Biden was on it through and through. Do you believe that? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Well, Congressman Mike Gallagher said, you know what? Good news. This is great news. But what about everything else that's happening in Afghanistan and Iraq and everywhere else? Does Biden have his pulse on that? We can't take our eye off the ball in the Middle East. We still have terrorist groups that pose a threat to the U.S. homeland. And the threat from Salafi jihadism, more broadly, I fear is going to grow worse in the wake of our embarrassing surrender in Afghanistan. It will also grow worse if this administration gets back into the Iran deal, which will create chaos in the Middle East. That's a great point, too, because it looks like they're about to throw on the towel and and basically make it easy for Iran. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to William in central Jersey. Go ahead, William. Hey, Rita. Um, just real quick. It just I'm just so angry about what Mr. Biden has done to like all those Americans left in Afghanistan, like running between like, like a dog between like a, a tail between his legs and leaving those people there. And it's horrible. You know, there's like hardly any food there. And it's supposed to be the private sector that are going to remove these people out of there. I mean, that was like one of the biggest blunders in American history. I agree. And you know what's interesting, William, is that the president doesn't want to talk about that. Like, if they were such great military tacticians, how come they left all that equipment behind with the Taliban? How come they couldn't airlift out American citizens? I mean, if they could plan this kind of a a raid, which seems like it was a great success, if we believe everything they say, um, why couldn't we have even a semi-success in Afghanistan? It's outrageous. And to me, it is heartbreaking And it breaks my heart as you bring up a great point about all the Americans that are still left behind in Afghanistan, all the people who were helping us also all the way over there in Afghanistan. And you're right. It's still private citizens that are pulling them out. We've had them here on the show. Operation Pineapple, you know. And meanwhile, you know, President Biden is like a fruitcake. 
You know, he's like not even figuring out, oh, what, where is Afghanistan? He wants us to forget about it, but we will not forget about it. We're not going to forget about the Americans that are left behind and the allies. We're going to try to do what we can. And let's also find out if this is the real story about what happened in Syria. Who knows with this administration? This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 